not watching the third party vendors. No one's really watching your $10 million, $5 million, $50 million business. So that's what I tell my owners. You'll be a better underwriter if you understand how properties actually operate. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today, Dave Sherbell. How you doing, Dave? Doing fabulous. Yourself? I'm doing fabulous also. I'm looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Dave. He's a partner of C2G Asset Management. He's got 30 years of investing experience, currently overseas, 5,000 units and approximately 600,000 square feet of office and retail space. His company is really interesting. It's a third-party asset management company, and he'll talk about it a lot more in detail, based in Coral Springs, Florida. So with that being said, Dave, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I've been in real estate since the late 80s. I started out as a workout person, worked for companies over the years from Insignia Financial in the early 90s to JPI and the 15 group up until 2014, each of the entities would be buying busted deals and putting them back together and then flipping them. 2014, I decided to go on my own and I found clients that were either young acquisition officers, syndicators that like chasing and buying deals, but might not have had the experience of the due diligence, the underwriting, and working with the management companies, rehab companies. So I was more of a plug-and-play type of an operations, have oversee investment funds that I do asset management. So depending on where they are in the cycle, C2G is cradle to grave. We help our clients anywhere within the life cycle to maximize the value. We're a national company as far as where our assignments are. We're up north in Michigan. We're in California. We're in Texas, Florida, Georgia, Virginia, Maryland, anywhere where our clients ask us to go, we go. We work with 10 different property management firms. We're not a management company. And my partner and I, Clint Miller, who's out of Tampa, we help a diverse group of clients We've been through the up cycles, the down cycles, and we help guide newer individuals in the business for where the landmines are, not because we're smarter. It's probably we've hit those landmines over the last 30 years. So we kind of know where to look. And let's talk about that. Where are the landmines that you know where to look, but perhaps a beginning investor, it sounds like it's primarily multifamily, but you do have 600,000 square feet of office and retail. But just for the simplicity of this question, let's assume it's multifamily. Where are those landmines that a beginning multifamily investor who can put a deal together, but wants some reassurance and some expertise on the asset management side, wouldn't necessarily know to look where you all look? What I tell some of my clients when I get involved after they've closed on a deal, I find that The focus on due diligence 
was more of putting the deal together, taking the broker's book and just repackaging it and not really scratching below the surface. So if anything, more effort should be on due diligence. I'm not just saying the unit walks and the lease audit, but what's going on behind the walls? What's going on with the plumbing? Are you looking at the work order history to see a common trend? Are you going through the paid bill files and calling up the current vendors? Are you videotaping the lines? Because a lot of times new people in the business, they're buying the older deals that are not institutional grade deals in that 10 to $15 million range where that's kind of where they fit because the big guys, it's too small and the regional players are not looking for an older deal. So what happens is on these older deals, that's where your repair and maintenance dollars really, really need to be analyzed. So I'm looking at source documents to figure out, we say, where the weenie is hidden. And plumbing is a big item. Electrical is a big item. The broker, they're selling you a story. Their job is not to tell you where all the landmines are hidden. Their job is to find the one person that's going to come through the door and order the hamburger at McDonald's. So you have to do more digging around than just the basics. You need to use that time to have vendors out there walking and looking, and you have to go to the source document. Residents fill out work orders. You got to look through the work orders and see where the trends are. You got to go look at the detailed GL and see which vendors are being called so that you can call them and say, yeah, is there anything wrong with the plumbing lines? Yeah, we've put quotes in, but the seller is not going to tell you that. So my sense is you have to dig more than just the OM. You have to dig more than what the in-place management company is telling you. And you have to really do more of this front end so that you don't have these hiccups down the road. You know what they are and they're risk-adjusted decisions that you're making that you want to buy the deal. That's a very good approach to here and also some excellent tactical advice. So thank you for that. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless, from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach 
will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. When you are mentioning, look at the GL to see what vendors are being paid and then calling those vendors. And you gave the example about anything wrong with the plumbing lines. You also talked about electrical being a big item. You can do the same thing for pest control. You could be looking at all the turn vendors to see how they're charging. Are they charging for extra stuff that you may not want to do? Look, most people just look at the P&L. I know with my clients, we go through the detailed GL and we have access to all the management company's software. So we're able to see the source document to see where we can improve after we acquire the deal, where we can improve on pricing, scope of work. So I always tell clients, don't just rely on the P&L. Look at the source documents that make up the P&L. The other thing is every month and even during due diligence, you got to go through the balance sheet. A lot of sellers put things on the balance sheet versus the P&L, so they overinflate their NOI. I like to see what's making it to the balance sheet and then go to the source documents. You know, I'm a CPA by background, never liked public accounting, but my advice is follow the cash and learn how things make it to financials because that's where you find where the waste is. We give some examples of by looking at the balance sheet, how that's helped in the past, some specific examples. You'll find that they're taking costs that you put below the line in CapEx, replacement reserves, and they're booking it directly to the balance sheet so that most people aren't looking at the balance sheet. They're looking at the P&L for cash flow, but the stuff that gets directly booked to the balance sheet is not making its way to that net cash flow. Mm -hmm. So you got to kind of look and see. Even if you own the deal, sometimes management companies are booking stuff, resurfacings, as part of the CapEx cost, but you're not putting the two statements together to figure out what the real net cash flow is. Mm -hmm. What's been a recent challenging project that you and your business partner have picked up and done the asset management for? I'd say most of our assets were not hired to do stuff that's stabilized and the clients feel it's running properly. We'll always ask people to send us the T12s, the balance sheet, the rent roll, and we'll take a quick look to see where we think there could be more savings. But most of our deals are deals that the metrics that have been underwritten or expected have been missed. And a lot of the time it's one, people aren't paying attention to doing property management 101. Ownership is not focused on it because they're looking for the next deal where they're just looking for the distribution amount and they're not paying attention to the day-to-day because to them, that's what the property management companies are supposed to do. But property management companies, sometimes they're stretched thin, they have turnover, and they're really looking at occupancy as their metric. They're not looking at 
the details of what's making up that number. And again, sometimes they're not motivated by improvements. They're motivated by management fee. So if you're not watching them and you're not watching the third-party vendors, no one's really watching your $10 million, $5 million, $50 million business. So that's what I tell my owners. You'll be a better underwriter if you understand how properties actually operate. Agreed with that. It's a very logical statement. Let's go to the first category of people where you said sometimes a property is operating effectively, but they send you the information that you mentioned to see if you can do a quick look to see if there's more savings. What do you look for in that quick look? If we were just on your shoulder watching you review those documents and you were making a quick look, tell us your thought process. So the first thing I do is I start looking at some of the basic metrics. Occupancy is important, but if you're giving two, three months free rent or you're not collecting, economic occupancy is not going to be high. So I always break it down into economic occupancy because that's a more important metric because that's looking at your lease loss, your concessions, your bad debt. It's truly getting your net rental income. How much cash are you putting in the bank? So if I see a property is consistently 95, 96, but the economic occupancy is in the low 80s, okay, what are the sources? Well, maybe I've been putting people in that shouldn't be on the property and that's causing a lot of bad debt. Well, I go look at how much they're writing off. I go look at the balance sheet, how much is on the balance sheet, what the policy is of how they do write-offs. Some management companies don't write off until the person moves out. Well, you could have three months of bad debt expense sitting on your balance sheet that eventually is going to hit the P&L. Or maybe their credit criteria is too low and they're putting in the wrong people. Or maybe it's right, but people aren't following it. So I'm looking at applications and lease files. So to me, the economic occupancy is very important and how each of the components make up that number. Then I look at what I call artificial vacancy. When I sort the rent roll, is everyone's lease expiring on the last day of the month? Well, if that's the case, you know your turn vendors and your in-house staff can't punch all the units right away. It's going to take time. So you're kind of causing artificial vacancy because you have everything expiring at the end of the month. Are you doing it weekly, biweekly expirations? How is your lease expiration management? Is it set up properly? Is every tenant that on the rent roll, they have expired leases, are you charging them a month-to-month fee? The fee plus going up to market. So I look at the P&L and cross-tabulate that. So there's a lot of things that these source documents are telling you that are red flags. When I go to the GL, are late fees being written off a lot or waived? There are things that you can just look line item by line item and see what's going on. What percentage of your water bills are recovered? What about your trash? What about your pest control? What about your gas? Are they billing back for as many expenses as they can? Because if you can't get rent growth, getting reimbursement increases and recapturing it, to me, is just like a revenue source. So I'm going through each of these items on the P&L see where we're at. Where are we on eviction status? Forgetting the pandemic, when times are normal, 
are you getting people off your books as quickly as possible? Because you don't want someone living in a unit where they're not paying. It's an opportunity cost. You'd rather have the unit empty and clean and ready to turn. I'm looking at work orders. Are they getting done timely, done right the first time? I'm looking at ready product. Are we turning units in a timely manner? Or are we trying to save money on the budget because we're off on somewhere else, so we're not turning units timely? We're turning the units when the leasing staff says they have somebody rather than turning it in five days and then forcing the leasing staff to have to go out and find a tenant. So they're just red flags that you can look at if you're looking at all the information that most of the management software provides, but people don't have the time to look at it or they don't know to look at it. Yeah. I would say it's they don't know to look at it or they choose not to look at it because they're prioritizing other things. That would be my guess. Out of all those things, and thank you for going through that in detail. Again, that's very helpful. Of all those things, what are the two to three most common areas for optimization that you find with apartment building specifically? I find that change in management, not the companies, but people get comfortable. It's hard to start turning the utilities back to the residents. So you can do it in slow increments because when you have to tell someone they have to pay more now, the managers get nervous because they're always afraid that's going to affect their occupancy. Mm -hmm. So you got to get them to buy into it and to understand. And you really have to sit with your management folks, managers. They're running a business. We're the only industry where they may not understand what the financial statements are saying and what they mean, but they're running a $50 million business. And I'm not saying it's everybody, but there's a good chunk of people that if you sat them down and asked them to analyze a P&L and a balance sheet, they may not know. When you get your variance reports, a lot of the answers are, well, we missed budget because occupancy is below. Well, was it below because your traffic counts are low? Was it below because your ready product wasn't there? Was it below because your pricing may not be right? They give you the symptom, but not the root cause mm-hmm. of, of the issue. Or maybe we had too much move out, so occupancy was lower because we raised our rents higher. We tried. Or maybe our customer service is not where it needs to be. That's why people are moving out. Mm-hmm. So again, it's more of, teaching people to understand property management 101 a little deeper, mm-hmm. not asking people to run marathons. Let's start walking first, and then we can get to the heavy-duty stuff. I think people are missing how we used to do it 30 years ago before we had all these reports and computer systems. There's some Wait. basic stuff that's being missed. We elaborate on that a little bit? Why well, you say that and what you mean? You know, the old days, a manager would be the ones in the regionals. They would know their market. They would know what unit types to raise rents on, which ones to decrease on. And you would know if you raise your rents too much, your leasing velocity would shrink. Now everyone just relies on LRO, yield star. And I find that a lot of times people are just overriding it or they're not managing it. They think because it's an app, it's automatic. The old days, I would save the money and myself, the managers, the regional managers, we would know what our pricing would be. We would know what our comps were offering. 
we would know who had good floor plans versus bad floor plans. A lot of times now it's just out of their hands. The system is running and they have a marketing director in a regional office that's doing their advertising, updating the ISL. So when everything gets removed from the manager and the staff, the accountability is no longer there. Someone in a corporate office. And to me, the people that are sitting on your real estate who are in those markets, they need to be held accountable for the business they're running, that they're living in that market, and they understand what the competitive set really is. We're going to take a step back, and I'm going to ask you, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Follow the cash. Take the deals that nobody else wants. The hairier, the better. If you just dig a little deeper, you'll find that all the hair is easily removable. You just got to understand why it's there and go to the cause and not follow the symptom. It is great stuff. I'm glad that we are having this conversation. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Shoot away. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. All right, best ever book you've recently read? Bruce. Any books in particular on asset management that you'd recommend? It's funny. Every company treats asset management different. So if you put 10 companies out there and said, what does your asset manager do? It could be everything from macro level stuff to micro. So macro to me, some institutional people that come out twice a year, they take a mental snapshot. They're kind of looking at refinancing and some big ticket stuff. Micro, which is myself, even though I do the macro for my clients, we're hands-on. Before the pandemic, we were on our real estate every month. It's a new deal. It could be every two weeks. We're on the weekly phone calls. We're managing cash. We're hands-on. We're, we're driving value. When the deal is stabilized, then you can get more into routine. But when deals are not running properly, you really have to be hands-on. Noted. And I was asking about a book. Any book on asset management that you recommend? No, I don't think there are any books on it. <laughs> All to right, be honest right. with you, there's more on property management, but asset management is a little bit different of a beast. Of course. Okay. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? The way I give back that I do is that no one took me under their wing when I was starting in the business. So there are a lot of people out there that I will introduce to clients and try to be a, a marriage maker, whether it's a vendor with a client, an employee with a client. I'm always willing to answer a phone call and give people my two cents. I'm always willing to go and help people that are younger than me because it would have made my life a little easier over the last 30 plus years. So I try to give back and help people out. I don't ask for anything. It's always good karma. And you find that that when times are great, everyone's your best friend. When times are tough, you find out who your true friends are. And those are the people that you should always 
stay in contact with the true people. And what do you all receive in compensation for the asset management? Well, it depends on pricing, but our fee, the way we structure it, it's a flat monthly fee plus travel. It's going to be cheaper than bringing staff in-house, and you're going to get 30 plus years of experience. All of our deals are handshakes. If you don't like us, we don't like you. You just tell us, let's end the assignment. If it's a short-term deal, same way, we move on and we go. But you'll find out that a lot of our clients, that is two years, three years, four years. And we'll help train their staff so that one day they can fly solo. We have some clients that were just purely advisors just to help them out. Maybe they want to build a management company. Well, my partner and I, we've run management companies in our past. Maybe they want to build an asset management infrastructure. We can help them do that. So we do anything from cradle to grave, whatever our clients ask of us. And we make sure that our pricing is more efficient than bringing it in-house. How can the best ever listeners learn more about you and your company? Well, you can always call or you can go to our website, C2G Asset Management, and you can find us on LinkedIn, Dave Shrubel, Clint Miller. And we don't do any third-party marketing. All of our business is word of mouth. And we'll give you a list of every client that we've worked for. And they can tell you the good. They can tell you the bad. They can tell you what worked, what didn't work. But you'll find that most of the people will tell you it worked. Thank you for being on the show, sharing some very tactical things that can be implemented immediately for apartment investors and asset managers, as well as sharing your philosophy and approach, the following, the source, making sure you know what is the cause, not necessarily treating just the symptoms And then again, I love the specific examples that you talked about. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and talk to you again soon. Be well. God bless.